today it is week four of our Christmas at the Movies series, and it is going to be a great time looking at it. Uh, last week, we looked at the movie Elf, and wasn't that fun? Pastor Daniel Day brought the word last week, and God was moving in this place of how do we handle our critics? How do we handle our critics? So that was a big one. And uh, this week, we're going to be looking at another movie. So this was the clue we posted on Facebook. Uh, if you don't follow us on Facebook, be sure to follow Aberdeen First Assembly on Facebook. We've got four pictures up there. And uh, what you should have been led to was when you put the four pictures together, you get the main cast of the movie. You got George up there. You got Mary. You got Mr. Potter. And you got an angel. When you put those all together, you get the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a wonderful life. And, and so I'm excited. We get to share about It's a Wonderful Life this week. And I didn't know this, but they actually came out with a color version of It's a Wonderful Life. So I got to experience that. That was, that was pretty cool. It's normally in black and white from what I know. But uh, before we jump into everything, I thought we should maybe select a winner. Uh, there was about 10 of you who got the right It's a Wonderful Life this week. So we've got some names. And here I'm going to try something just to make it fair. I'm going to throw them up, whichever one I catch. You're the winner this week, all right? I'm going to do it over here so I don't make too big of a mess. Whew, here we go. Oh, we got it. All right, here's the name. Christy Brubaker. Come on down. Come on down. You're our winner this week. We've got a very special one because there's a line in the scene that says, you want the moon? I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. So we've got the moon for you today. We even put a lasso around that. So it's a little moon lamp. Enjoy. Give it up for Christy, our winner this week. Great job. I'm just very glad I caught one. That would have been embarrassing if I didn't. All right. So if you've never seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, it centers around the main character. His name is George Bailey. And George Bailey lives in a little town in New York called Bedford Falls. And even though he's a small town guy, George has got some big dreams. He's got big plans. And none of those plans involve sticking around his puny little town. So check out some of his big dreams. Overnight bag, genuine English cowhide, combination lots of fitted up with brushes oh, and combs. No, 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 no. Oh, look, Joe. Oh, look. I, I, I want a big one. Big. See, I, I don't want one for one night. I want some for a thousand and one night. There's plenty of room here for labels from Italy and Baghdad, Samarkand. Great big thing, but I see a playing carpet, huh? Yeah, I don't suppose you'd like this old second-hand job, would you? Ah, you're talking. Gee whiz, I could use that as a raft and take the boat top. How much this cost? No charge. That's my trick here, George. Sound like you said no charge. That's right. What's my name doing on here? Little present from old man Gower. Came down and picked it out himself. He did? What do you know about that? My old boss. What boat are you sailing on? Well, I'm walking across on a cattle boat. A cattle boat? Okay, I like cows. Punk nickel. Uh, 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 hey, Ernie, 
so George, he had some big dreams. He wanted to travel the world. He wanted to see the world. He, he, he wanted a million dollars, too. He, he wanted everything. He wanted to get out of that, that little town. He dreamed big dreams. He had big plans for his life. Do you have big plans for your life? Do you have big dreams, uh, goals that you want to accomplish? You know, many times in God's word, uh, he tells us we, we should dream big dreams. And many times I've encouraged you, we should dream big dreams because we serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. Right? We should dream big dreams, just like we, we saw our missionaries today. They had big dreams. But the question that I want to look at today is, how do you know if your big dream is God's big dream? How can you tell the difference between your dreams and, and God's dreams for your life? So to look at that, I want you to turn to the book of James. So we're going to look to James for, for the answers today, not James Stewart, but, but James, the book in the Bible, and we're going to delve in there and believe that God's going to help us to, to define some things so we can understand the difference between our dreams and God's dreams, because God's got big plans for our lives. God's got some big things that he wants to do in us and through us. Uh, we just got to make sure that we're going down the right path, the right direction. So James chapter 4, uh, we're going to start with verse 13, and it says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Lord, we thank you for your word. Pray that you would speak to us through it today. May we leave this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let's break this down. Let's, let's look at this passage and, and what, uh, what we need to learn from it today. The, the first two words that it says are, now listen. Right? If your parents ever told you those words, now listen. If your boss ever told you those words, now listen. Uh, you should probably listen. Right? So if the Bible, we should listen to the whole word of God. Everything's important. But if James decided we need to take a moment after he's just been spitting truth this whole thing, James 1 through 4, and now at the end of James chapter 4 he says, now listen. I think we should probably listen. We should probably lean in a little bit and take some notes and write this down. If the Bible is telling us, listen up. It's probably pretty important. So who's he talking to? Who's supposed to be listening? Uh, as we continue on in verse 13, it says, You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or, or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and, and make money. So in other words, who should listen? He says, those who make plans. If you make plans in here, you're the ones who need to listen up. So listen up, you planners. Listen up, you dreamers. Listen up, you, you schemers. It didn't matter what the plan was. He, he gave some very vague details. He said, you know, the, you people who plan, we're going to go this day or we're going to go that day. We're going to go to this city. We're going to go to that city. We're going to spend a, an amount of time there and we're going to do something. We're going to try making money. So it's very vague details that he gives. So he's just saying, hey, everybody who plans, I'm talking to you. We got any planners in the room? Anybody who likes to plan? All right. A few of you guys, you, you maybe have... Uh, you've got every hour of your day planned, or you have your whole week planned out, or you've got your one-year plan, your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your retirement plan. You've, you've got all the plans, right? And then there's others of you, you'd say, I'm not a planner. 
But when you stop and think about it, have you ever had a dream to one day maybe move to a different uh, job or get a promotion or you, you dream to move to a different city or maybe just dream to take a vacation? You know, you've got Hawaii on your bucket list, right? We've all got plans. We've all got dreams. Some of us are more detailed in them than, than others, but we've all got plans. We've all got dreams, just like uh, George Bailey ha had plans in that movie. I like uh, one line that he says in there. He's talking to his uh, love interest in the movie to marry, and he says, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. He says, I'm shaking the, the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world, Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here, see, go to college, see what they know, and I'm going to build things. Right? I, I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers 100 stories high. I'm going to build a bridge a mile long. He had plans. He had big plans. And this is what the passage is telling us. Listen up, you planners, you dreamers, you schemers, because I got something to tell you this morning. Verse 14, this is what he had to share. Why? Well, that's hopeful. Why are you planning? Why are you dreaming? Why are you scheming? Uh, you do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So James writes some hard words here for all of you dreamers and planners and, and schemers out there. He writes some time. He, he says, why? Why do you do that? Why, why do you keep doing that? How can you plan for the next year when you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow? That seems kind of foolish is what he's saying. Here you've got all these plans. You've got all these figured things figured out, but you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Zoom out for a minute. Let's look at our lives. Let's, let's, uh, we can get so caught up in our jobs and in our to-do list, in our day-to-day -day tasks, and we, we've got to get so many things done. Some of you are probably, you're, you're sitting there right now going through, all right, what do I got to get done tomorrow? What do I got to get done when I get home to make sure we get all these things? And we can get so caught up in the to-do list that we never zoom out, that we don't think about the big picture, that we don't think about the grand scheme. See, the Bible tells us there's a part of us, there's a part of each one of us, there's a part of you that's going to live forever. It's going to live forever. While these bodies, these physical bodies may decay, they may have a good 70, 80, even 100 years in them, there's a part of you that's going to live on into eternity. Uh, we see that many times the Bible tells us that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Or that I am the living, Jesus said that I am the living bread who's come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. First John says, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. There's, there's a part of us, there's an eternal part of us. While our bodies decay, our souls continue on in this life. So I want you to think about eternity for a moment. Think about forever. Never ending. The, there's the next day and the next day and the next day and, and life never ends. See, in comparison to eternity, it says that our lives are just a, a mist. And now it's gone, right? It, it's just a, just a mist that, that's here one second and it's gone the next second. That's it. We, we spend so much time being busy and planning for just that brief moment. But we think that that's it. We, we think that that's our life in a nutshell, that that's everything. But what we don't realize is that what we do in, in this determines our eternity. 
What we do in that little mist, what we do in those 70 years, determines our eternity. So I want you to think about that. Contemplate that for a minute, right? Alex, this is, this is you. That's your life, right? Taya, this is your life right there. Just, it's gone. In just a moment, Jeff, this is you right there. Lucas, there you are. Your life was glorious for just a minute, and then it's gone. Think about that. But then we've got the rest of eternity to worry about. So what we do in that short time, in those few years, determines our eternity. Matthew 25, 46 puts it this way. And it says, and the unbelieving people will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We've got two choices. And it all depends on how we live our lives here. Do we believe in Jesus or do we choose to ignore Jesus on this earth? The righteous going to eternal life, the, the, the unrighteous, the unbelieving to eternal punishment. There's an eternal part inside each one of us. So we need to listen up. We need to listen up today, us who make plans because we're human, so naturally we have plans. And it says that it's foolish. It's foolish to, do, to make plans in this manner, to plan for years in advance when we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because we're doing it in the wrong manner. So if we continue reading, there is some hope here. In verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. So this, is, this passage, it's not saying that planning is bad. So if you're worried today, thinking, oh, I'm planning and I'm not honoring God. No, planning's okay. Planning's okay, but we've got to figure out how to plan the right way. We need to plan how to, how to plan wisely. See, notice in the initial plan, it, it said, we're going to go this day or that day. We're going to go to this city or that city. We're going to spend some time there. We're going to try to make money. Notice what's missing. Notice who's missing. God's not in their plans at all. God's not in their plans. Jesus isn't in their plans. They never asked God, is this the way that we should go? Is this what you have in store for us? Instead, it was, these are our plans. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to make some money. We're going to profit off this thing. And they missed God in their plans. Is God in your plans? Is God on your schedule? Did you consult God before doing it? Because how should we plan? How should we dream? It tells us in here, Lord, what is your will? That's the question we should start with when we are planning. When you pull out the planner for tomorrow, when you pull out your one-year plan, your retirement plan, your 10-year plan, the first question we need to ask is, Lord, what is your will? God, where do you want me to be a year from now? God, where do you want me to be 10 years from now? God, do you want me to move to that city? God, do you want me to take this job? God, what do you want me to do with my finances? God, what is your plan? I, I know I have plans for tomorrow, but God, you hold my tomorrow, so what do I do tomorrow? See, when's the last time you asked God that question? God, what, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What is your will? See, our plan, in, our, our plan shouldn't start in a planner or in a calendar app, but our plan should start on our knees. That's where we should start planning. It's just saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. See, we don't know our tomorrow, but we know that God holds our tomorrow. We know that he has all the plans in store for us. He knows exactly what's coming tomorrow. He knows every uh, surprise, every interaction we're going to have. So why on earth would we not ask him for advice when he holds all the answers? It doesn't even make sense. See, God knew 
God knew it for Noah that a flood was coming. He knew a flood was coming. Noah had no idea. Noah, logically planning things out, wouldn't have been decided to go build a boat in a place that was, that was dry and barren. But yet God knew his tomorrow. God knew uh, 100 years from now, he knew that a flood was coming, so he told him, hey, I want you to build a boat. See, God knows what's in the future. He helps us out. Uh, in my life, I've, I've maybe shared this with a few of you before, but I, I was trying to, I knew that God had called me. I knew part of God's plan, but I didn't know his whole plan. I knew his plan for my life was to go into ministry. And, and so the next right step for me was to pick a Bible college and, and, and go off and get the training that I needed. It was the next step. And I had two options in my mind that I knew of Bible colleges that I could get the training that I needed. They were uh, North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Trinity Bible College in Ellendale, North Dakota. And I knew my plans. My plans were not to go to Trinity Bible College because that was in the middle of nowhere. I wanted to go to North Central University for many reasons. I mean, number one, it was three blocks from the Metrodome. If you don't know, that's the place where the Minnesota Twins play and the Minnesota Vikings play. And I just couldn't think of a better way that God could bless me than by putting me three blocks from there. I had plans I was going to go be a vendor uh, as a side job so I could just be in there all the time. It was going to be great. And, and plus, the baseball team at North Central at that time, they got to play one game a year inside of the Metrodome. And, and I'd always wanted to rob a home run up against that baggie. It was going to be great. I had the perfect plan. This was my dream my whole life was to get to play on that field. It was going to be great. And so we went to college days there, and it was incredible. God was moving in the service, and I just thought, God, this is your will. This is perfect. You know, this is where I need to be. But I suppose I should go check out Trinity, too, just to have a backup plan and do all those things. So we, we, we came on up here, my dad and I, and we, we got lost for a little while. We finally found Ellendale, pulled up into a, a beautiful gravel parking lot, and uh, it was rough. I mean, it wasn't as nice as North Central was. I, I got to my, my host room, and I was supposed to meet some guys, and they never showed up, so I just stayed in a room by myself all night and really didn't get to meet many people, and it just was kind of, well, something's wrong here, and, and I go back home, and I thought, okay, clearly God's will, North Central University, and, and God, through many different signs and just speaking to me and speaking to my heart, he said, Trinity's where you need to go. Are you sure, God? Are you sure this is because you understand that this is not Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is going to be, there's no Metrodome in, in, in Ellendale, North Dakota. Their baseball team only has nine guys and they're not very good. You know, so all these things were lining up in my mind and I thought, uh, this isn't right, but God revealed his will and he says, no, this is where you need to be. But you know what? I, I didn't know what tomorrow held, but God did. That, that was the place where I, I received many, many training. I got great connections. I met my wife there. Uh, I, I got connected to my church family here. God had a plan. God had a plan because he holds our tomorrow. See, the Lord should be the most important person in our decision-making process. He should be. Oftentimes, we, we put our family first. We put our spouse first. We put our friends first. We put logical reasoning uh, above God. But you know what? Your family doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your spouse has no idea of the obstacles you're going to face tomorrow. Logical reasoning can only prepare for so many things. But God knows it all. God knows it all. So the first thing that we should say when we're planning, we, we should say, God, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to that school if it's your will. 
I'm going to marry that person, God, if it's your will. I'm going to get that job, God, if it is your will. I'm going to have this many children if it's your will. God, I'm going to retire at this age if it's your will. God, I'm going to buy that new fishing boat if my wife lets me. I mean, if it's your will, God, right? Right, all those different things. We're, we're thinking about, God, is it your will? Is it your purpose? You know, in It's a Wonderful Life, there's many times that, that George had big plans. And every time he was about to leave tiny little Bedford Falls to go see the world, uh, something came up. So at first, when he's, he's about to leave in, in that scene, he's, he's going to go see the world. But he gets called back because his dad passes away. So he, he stays back and takes care of the family and does all those things. And a few weeks later, when he's supposed to go off to college, he's been saving up for four years to go off to college, and he's, he's all ready. He's, he's about to, to go take the, the bus or the train, whatever he needed to go. And, and it was in that moment he found out that uh, if he went, that his dad's business that he worked, the family business that he'd worked, the building alone so hard for, was going to shut its doors unless he stuck around and let it. So he gave up his, his dream of college, and he stuck around that town and, and uh, continued on with the building and loan. And, and after a little while, he met the love of his life, Mary, and they got married, and they had a big wedding. They had saved up $2,000 to go on their honeymoon. He said, we're going to stay in the fanciest places, eat the fanciest food, see the fanciest entertainment. We're going to you know, make, make the world of it. It's going to be an incredible trip. And as they're driving out of town, lo and behold, there's a run on the banks. And his business is going to go under again unless he stays and uses the $2,000 he had saved uh, to help them out. And so that's what he does. He sticks behind. He's stuck in, in Bedford Falls. You see, you just never know what might happen tomorrow. And that's what he keeps running into in this movie. And that's what we keep running into our lives. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So again, planning isn't the problem. Planning is not a bad thing. But it's planning without God in the picture that gets us into trouble. It's planning without God in the picture that gets us into trouble. We need to think, if it's the Lord's will, we will do this or that. And if we don't have this mindset, verse 16 tells us, as it is when you plan without God, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. All such boasting is evil. So it says that when we don't include God in our plans, that we are boasting, that we are committing something that is evil. You ever thought about that before? When we don't include God in our plans, we are boasting. We are committing uh, something evil. Because we have no idea. Again, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe we'll get another foot of snow tomorrow. I hope not. But you just don't know what's coming. Uh, we don't know. Tomorrow you might have a chance to share your faith with someone, someone you never met before. God could bring them your way. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know when that, that car accident or when that sickness is going to take place, that news from the doctor that you never wanted to hear. You don't know what your future holds. So here we are. We're, we're God's creation. We're God's children. He made us in his image, and he's welcomed us into his family. And, and every day that we have is a gift. Every day that we live, every day we have breath in our lungs is a gift from God then why do we think we should, it's okay to leave God out of the picture in planning our lives? Ever think about that? It, it would be similar to this. Imagine when you had, uh, if, you, if you're a parent in the building, imagine when your kid was five years old, right? At five years old, you've taken care of them for five years. You've done everything for them. 
I mean, you, you've wiped their, their butt, you've fed them, you, you've given them a bath, you, you've tucked them into bed at night, uh, you've given them all their clothes, you've given them all the gifts, you've given them, nothing that they have was earned or deserved other than they are your child. So imagine if your five-year-old would come up to you, it's Christmas time, and, and they would come up and say, you know what, mom, dad, I see you got a lot of presents under the tree. Yeah, I'm excited for those, and I know you're going to cook us a nice Christmas ham, and it's going to be delicious, but I've decided that uh, I'm not coming to Christmas this year, right? I'm five years old now. I'm going to go off and be independent, and I want to go to my friend's house next door. So I'm going to take all the presents you gave, and I'm going to bring them over there, and I'm going to wait till you finish cooking the Christmas ham, and I'm going to bring them over to my friend's house, and we're going to have Christmas over there, and you're not invited, right? As a parent, you'd be like, uh, what? Come again? You're grounded and you're never coming out again and you don't get any of those presents because you have worked for nothing. And sometimes that's how we can treat God. We think we've deserved everything. We think we've earned everything, but everything we have is a gift. God has given us our job. He's given us our, our talents, our, our gifts, our abilities. He's given us our resources. And then we can just easily leave them out of our plans and say, God, this is mine. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Forget about you. Right? Uh, imagine, imagine that's, that's what we're doing when we're planning without God in the picture. To think that we could just take all the blessing and ignore the one who blessed us in the first place. That's arrogance. That's boasting in something that we had no part in. And again, that's what we do when we make plans on our own, when we ignore God, when we don't say, God, what is your will? And then at the very end of this passage comes a verse that just seems out of place. It just doesn't seem to relate. Verse 17 tells us this. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I'm looking at this like, God, why would you stick this here? It doesn't quite fit in. You're talking about planning and, and including you in on the plans, and now all of a sudden you're talking about uh, not doing good and, and that, how that's sinful. See, I think this, this verse, it started with, uh, remember, it started with, now listen. Hey, listen up. What I'm about to tell you is very important. And I'm going to tell you something that you need to do, right? And he, he told us through this passage, you need to include God in your plans. That is a good thing for you to do. It's a necessary thing for you to do. Include God in your plans. But then he goes and says, now that you know this good thing that you need to do, if you don't do it, it's sinful. Right? If we don't include God in our plans, it's sinful. Now, planning without God doesn't seem inherently wrong. It, it, planning just on its own seems wise, so you think you're doing a good thing. But now that we know, now that we're responsible for this word that we read this morning, that we're hearing this morning, we, we know that, God, we've got to include you in our plans. And if we don't, we, we are erring. We, we are sinning. See, usually we think of sin as something that we commit. Right? You commit murder commit adultery, you, you tell a lie. These, these are all things that we, we do in order to commit a sin. But, but this verse tells us not, not only do we commit sins by committing them, but we can commit sin by omitting something that we shouldn't do. So there's a sin of commission and there's a sin of, of omission. Uh, I once heard a story of uh, a kid who got sent to the principal's office. And this boy was no stranger to the principal's office. He was a regular attender there because he was a regular offender in the classroom. So the principal sees him coming, 
looks out his window, and he thought, oh boy, what is it this time? What elaborate prank did he just pull on the teacher? Uh, what student did he get into a fight with at recess? What uh, scheme did he come up with to steal somebody else's homework? How did he cheat on the test this time? So when the boy comes in and, and takes a seat, you know, they're, they're on a first-name basis by this point, and, and he says, hey, what'd you do this time? And to his surprise, the boy said, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do anything. And here I am. And so the principal is just like, you had to do something. And he starts asking him and grilling him, what did you do? What did you do? Who did you hurt? Well, who did you offend? What, what did you do? And he said, I didn't do anything. And he couldn't get him to admit to the guilt that he had. So finally, he, he gives in and he calls the teacher. And he calls the teacher up and he says, hey, what, what, did, what did he do this time? He won't tell me. He says he did nothing. He said he didn't do anything. And the teacher said, well, he's right. He's not lying to you. He didn't do anything. The guy's shocked. What, what do you mean he didn't do anything? He's like, well, that's why he's in your office. He didn't do his homework for two weeks. He did nothing. He did nothing. That's why he's there. Right? We, we can sin not just by the things that we do, but by the things that we don't do. When we disobey God, we, can, we, we do that as well. That's what this passage is trying to tell us. We are no longer ignorant. We know we need to include gods in our plans. We have been warned, and now we are held accountable. We are held accountable. We need to plan with God in mind. See, when we plan, we, we may cover our plans in prayer. That's what we need to do. When we plan, let's cover our plans in prayer. When we plan, let's take time to seek God's will. May we be humble. May we be, uh, may we be faithful enough to change our plans if when we're in that prayer closet and we've got our plans already, we know oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and God speaks something differently. May we be faithful enough to change our plans and say, God, I want your will above my will. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though it doesn't seem logical, even though it's going to delay the things that I need to get done, God, I want your will first. And may we be thankful for each day that God's given us. For each day we get to plan another day. We, may we be thankful. Uh, Paul writes a similar point in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and he says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap uh, and, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, we can get so caught up in our plans, in our desires. This passage talks about the, the love of money or going after that, and that's where a lot of our desires and passions can come from, is to try to get ahead, to try to, to, try to gain, to try to benefit ourselves more. And so we leave God out of the equation. And when we're chasing after these selfish desires, it says that we oftentimes fall into temptation. We fall into ruin. We fall into destruction. But then it says, but godliness, godliness, living the right way, choosing God's will over our own, living for God, says godliness with contentment, being satisfied with God's plans. Saying, God, I, I know I've got my dreams. I know I've got my desires. But God, I want your plans over my plans. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We go after our plans, not great gain. Ruin, destruction, temptation. But when we go after God's plans and we're satisfied with his plans, we have a great gain. 
Uh, Psalm 118 uh, tells us this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That should be our approach to every day. So instead of scheming, instead of trying to get ahead, let's be thankful for what the Lord has given us because we know that his plan is the best plan. Uh, In Proverbs it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You know, eventually we can pursue our plans for so long, but eventually it says they lead to death. They, they lead to a, a difficult moment. And, and in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George uh, continued to seek after his plans. He continued to seek after his desires. He continued to want to travel the world, right? He had it all planned out. But one day, everything came crashing down. You know, that happens to each one of us. When we were pursuing our plans, eventually they all come crashing down. For George, uh, one of his uh, employees lost $8,000. In today's terms, that would be $150,000. This was no small chunk of change. He lost $8,000, and because of it, the bank examiner uh, was about to shut down his business that he had worked so hard to keep going. And also because of this, he had committed fraud, and he was about to be arrested. I mean, this is a rough day. And and so because of this, also, he knew he was going to be a laughingstock in front of the whole town. George Bailey was going to be laughed out of Bedford Falls, he was going to be arrested, he was going to lose his business, he would never get to live out the dream that he had for his life, and, and on top of that, he goes home and he, he finds his daughter is sick, and his other daughter is learning to play piano, and she won't stop trying to play piano, and it's bothering him, and his kids are constantly wanting to play with him, and he just wants to be alone, he just wants to, to get out of there, and the house that, that they, they built is falling apart, and it's drafty, and everything just seems to be going wrong. And again, sadly, this is a realization that, that many of us come to when we get to the end of our plans and we, we don't find the joy and the fulfillment that we thought we would have. And it's in this lowest point in George's life where he, he finds himself drinking at a bar and, and decides, you know what, I'm going to end it all. I'm going to end it all. I'm worth more dead than alive. You know, so many in our society, maybe you've experienced that as well, where you've come to the point where you just thought, this life isn't worth living. I'm at the end of my rope here. I've got nothing left to give. My whole world is crashing around me. Uh, You know, whether it's uh, law enforcement's after me or the the bank is after me or they're calling my loans or all these different things or my family's mad at me and it just feels like your whole world is caving in. We can all come to that point. We can all come to that point. But it's what we do in those lowest moments. Who do we turn to? Who do we turn to? See, thankfully in the movie, uh, God intervened. It says the whole town was praying for George Bailey because they knew something was wrong. And God intervenes. He, he sends an angel to show him what life would be like had he never been born. And he goes around and he sees his city that he loves so much in shambles. And he sees his, his family and his friends that he loves so much, uh, their lives were ruined because he wasn't there to help. He did play a big role, and he learned in that moment that this crummy little town, this crummy little life that he had, that wasn't this big plans that he had for his life, but this crummy little life that he had was actually a wonderful life. And it turned his bitterness into thanksgiving. And he had a second chance on life. Why don't you check out this video?
father. We're looking for you. With Uncle Bill and Daddy. Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger chef. How do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. You know, what's interesting there is nothing changed. He still lost the $8,000. He was still about to be arrested. Uh, all these things, were his house was still broken down. But the only thing that changed was his heart. It, it doesn't say it, but I, I think he went on following God's plan for his life rather than his own plan. And, and that's the change that we all need to make. So we can have that change of perspective. God, I want to follow your plan. God, I want to be in your will. I don't want to be in my will anymore. I want to be thankful for everything that you've given me because I know that it's not mine. God, it's yours. You know, from the moment as humanity, we, we messed everything up in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve decided to, to take a bite of the fruit on the tree that was forbidden, that God said, don't do that. Satan tempted them. The serpent tempted them. And from that moment, God had a plan. God had a salvation plan. He had a rescue plan. He had a rescue mission plan in Genesis chapter 3. He said that, Eve, one day your descendant is going to crush the serpent's head, the deceiver's head, the devil's head. And so he spoke of the Savior. He spoke of this deliverer. And God's plan was set in motion the moment that we chose to sin. Now, we would think that when God says he's going to send a deliverer, I mean, in the Old Testament, it talks about the Savior, this Messiah, we would think, and God's people thought, that when this Messiah comes, he's going to be powerful. He's going to be uh, amazing. He's going to come. He's going to be a political ruler. He's going to be a military ruler. He's going to take back the land. He's going to take back the kingdom. So you can imagine the shock and the disbelief and the, the outrage and the anger when our deliverer came as a baby boy born in a manger. Born in a stable. Shepherds, the lowest in society, announced his birth. See, we thought he'd come in glory, but instead he came in humility. This wasn't our plan, but this was God's plan, and his plan is perfect. His plan is perfect. It's the only way we could have a second chance. The only way is that, that the Son of God, that Jesus, would come in the flesh and live a perfect life. See, we thought he would ascend to the, the highest throne, but instead... He was hung on a cross and laid in a tomb for us. For us, for our sins, for our salvation. I'm so thankful that God has the perfect plan. Because if we were in charge, we'd make some plans that were pretty messed up that would hurt us rather than, than help us. Worship team, would you come? So let me ask you today, is Jesus part of your plan? Is Jesus part of your plans? It's easy to leave Jesus out of the plans. It's easy to just say, you know what, tomorrow we're going to do the same thing we did today. We're going to plan it all out. We're going to get busy. We're going to work. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to same eat, sleep, repeat every day. We're going to do those things every single day. And we can get into this pattern, and, and we can forget that there's a bigger picture. We can forget that what we do in this life matters in eternity. We want to write our own story. We want to write our own story. We want to have our fingerprints on our story. But the problem is we're not the author. The Bible says that God is the author and perfecter of our faith.
And so we need to trust the author that he's got our best intentions in mind, that he's going to take care of, of you and your time. See, if all we have is our own plans, then when our own plans come crashing down, and they will, then so does our world. Our world comes crashing down with it. And then what do we do? What do we face then? Maybe you're feeling that today. You just feel like the whole world is crashing down around you. And you don't know what to do. But today is the day that we, we switch from our, our confidence in tomorrow. We switch that confidence in God. Instead of being so sure, oh, tomorrow we're going to wake up. We're going to do this and doing this. Let's switch our confidence. Tomorrow we're going to trust in God. Today we're going to trust in God. Tomorrow's going to happen if the Lord wills it, if the Lord allows it. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do. So I've got two questions for you this morning. They go hand in hand. One determines the other. The first one is this. What part does the Lord play in your future? What part does the Lord play in your future? Is he going to be the number one planner in your life? Or is he just going to be a side note? Are you going to push him to the side? What part does the Lord play in your future? Because depending on your answer to the first one, your second one is determined. What future do you have in the Lord? Eternity in heaven or eternity in hell? See, when we include God in our plans, when we allow him to come in and be the decision maker and, and help us and show us that tomorrow, we invite him to be the Lord of our lives. We can be assured that we have a future in the Lord. We can be assured that we have a future in heaven. But when we push him aside, when we say, I, I don't need you,